Revolting is produced by the Cycling Independent, the only cycling media completely free of commercial influence. We are community-supported and dedicated to the whole of cycling. As our tagline says, if you ride bikes, you're one of us. This is Revolting with Steve Lynn Robot on the Cycling Independent. Episode 3, What's Wrong with Cycling? And uh, there's a content warning we're obligated to tell you before we start that the podcast that we do here contemplates both mature and immature themes. You might not like all the words we use or the ideas we bring up. If you're sensitive about these things, maybe this podcast isn't for you. It's okay. We still love you. And, you know, to that end, sharing uh, different perspectives, it's okay. I mean, what we express here isn't the final word on anything. It's just sort of our perspective. And, uh, you know, variation is the spice of life, as they say. So I expect to be wrong. I expect to be wrong today. I expect to be wrong perpetually. I've been doing, I've, I've been doing it much. my whole life. It, it, it's, it's right. easier. I'm used to it. Right. And today, and today I expect to be wrong. I'm definitely going to be wrong because the whole concept of this episode is it's a little bit of um, finely tuned haterism. <laughs> What's wrong with cycling? And this is um, this is born out of kind of our. I think shared feeling that um, cycling has um, a purity exclusivity problem. Is yeah, that right? I think so. And uh, the irony of two middle-aged white guys having this conversation isn't lost on me. Right. Yeah. 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 I, I, yeah it totally. It totally does. It. It. It al- always has. Um, I love to see that the the tide is turning. You know, maybe not quickly enough, certainly not quickly enough, but um, the doors are opening and the more people do it, uh, the more people will do it. I think that's right. I think so. I think that's right. And I, I want to be careful because, um, you know, some of my best friends are cyclists. Um And, but I find myself, um, you know, being, so I don't hate cyclists. I don't because I don't hate people. Right. Right. I, it, it, as you said, it takes all kinds of folks to make up the, the world. Um, I need, I need, I, at the same time, I think I need people to point at and say, well, I'm not like them. And that's how I, you know, that is a a sort of a, a brute force technique for understanding what I am like. And it doesn't mean there's something wrong with them. It just means I'm, that's not how I am. Right. It's, uh, I don't know. I think I feel like there's a, uh, there's sort of a, uh, team mentality or a clan mentality. Like this is our, this is what I align myself with. I, uh, my, I identify with, um, you know, this subsect or that subsect and, um, pe- people like to belong, you know, I think that's a, I think that's a component of, human, human nature. Sure. I have to say too, though, uh, because I've learned to sit closer to the microphone during this process and I'm sitting close to the (laughs) microphone, which means I'm sitting close to my monitor. So robot and I are actually just staring into each other's eyes from like six inches away, which is, is, (laughs) (laughs) this is the close, this is the, the most closely I've spoken to anyone, uh, uh, and over. we're having an, a moment of intimacy here. <laughs> I, I feel like I feel like brushing my fingers through your hair. <laughs> I have nice hair. I think we both have nice hair. The the few remaining, I'm I'm pretty proud of. Yeah, the salt, the pepper, all of it. Um. So so this this thing with cycling, I've been thinking about it a lot. I I whether it shows or not, I do try to think about these things before we uh, get on here and talk about them. But so. Part of part of my theory is 
that the cycling industry, and it's easy to talk about the cycling industry like it's one monolithic thing when it actually, it, it isn't. But the, the predominant idea, I think, in the cycling industry is that you're marketing to a specific subset mm-hmm. of people. And I wonder if, at least in the United States, because I, I do, I'm keenly aware that other countries have different cycling cultures, but in the United States, it seems like maybe they've sort of, like, certainly in the in the 90s, it was like, oh, yeah, cycling is about road biking because Lance and U.S. Postal Service. And, you know, so there was this sort of overarching idea. I'd call it kind of like the animating idea in the industry was like, if we can just get people to fall in love with this representation and chase after it, then we can sell stuff. And so maybe it's a case of the cycling industry having created this and marketed specifically to this middle-aged male affluent demographic. Yeah, I think that's a I think that's a big part of it. I mean, at least in terms of certainly in terms of road cycling, um, not so much with, you know, when the sort of messenger chic fixed gear boom happened in the mid to late nineties. Um, that was considerably more inclusive, uh, or at least, uh, in the Bay area where I was living at the time, I saw all, all walks being, uh, sort of invited to that table. Uh, and BMX, I think, uh, in its own little bubble of weirdness has long, uh, invited, more sorts of folks to the table mm. uh, mountain biking but those are certain it. those are both smaller right. right yeah of course but they're you know they're they're yeah. parts of the the quote industry that that we're discussing yep mountain sure, biking sure. i think um has not been so much but you know like skiing or snowboarding or um uh, activities that uh, rely on being in a certain region, like you have to make this in initial investment and then you, right. you don't absolutely have to, but if you live in, um, you know, inner city St. Louis, mountain biking isn't so accessible because you actually have to make an investment of time and money in the thing and then go to the place to do the thing. Um, That's so, right. Yeah. And mountain bikes yeah. are expensive. Yeah. I was actually just kind of perusing a, a catalog at a shop recently, just sort of window shopping and fantasizing to myself. And, um, it filled oh, you with bowel oh, I just, fear. I just can't. I mean, if I, and I'm not even, you know, I wouldn't consider myself in the industry per se, but if I didn't have access to people who, could potentially get me some sort of a discount. Not that bikes or bike parts are even available right now, right? Um, but it's just like, I don't even know. I don't even know where I'd get the money for something like that. They're really badass, though, man. The new new mountain bikes are super cool. They are. They are. I was just having a conversation with They're- somebody yesterday about how we, um, I mean, it's come up a few times, but anybody who's been riding a mountain bike for 20 or 25 years has basically been riding prototype garbage up until about 10 years ago. And now <laughs> everything is amazing. Like they figured it all out. But when I started riding mountain bikes, right. the best stuff was like slingshots and pro flex and <laughs> Y bikes right. and nothing that like they hadn't really perfected those mouse traps. I, I have this theory that for me, like you, you and I both, uh, grew up riding BMX, but from my perspective, like I didn't live near any tracks. I've never raced BMX once, not once on a track. Um, so, and where I was riding my bike, uh, was in the Mm -hmm. woods a lot. So my thinking is like BMX from, for me in the seventies was mountain biking before Mm -hmm. there were mountain bikes. Yeah. Um, And I think that the good news is that we rode BMX and we developed some bike handling skills. And then maybe you got a 26 inch mountain bike at some point. Probably your first one was not suspended Mm -mm. in any way. Uh, 
and then and you took it in the woods and of course you did and you know then you got front suspension for a while but everything was still 20 even first dual suspension bikes 26 inches so there was this period of like developing skills to be able to navigate these not perfectly engineered bikes through terrain yeah for sure and i always said that you know if you got if you got good on a 26 inch rigid hardtail you could totally kill it on something um with a little more technology behind it but now because i spent so many years riding 26 inch hardtail rigid hardtails my wrists and my shoulders and everything else are completely wrecked but um back to the topic uh I think that those at least road road cycling and mountain biking are by their very nature more exclusive uh, where, you know, riding a bike like the wheelie kids, like the freestyle kids, the, the big ripper kids, you know, that you, they go out in mass and like mob around in cities and do amazing physical feats while riding, you know, like, that's cycling that they that and that's a really beautiful and powerful expression i think uh yes yeah, racing position themselves perfectly for that and i love that they support that that uh the, that group of people there's a great little video that exists somewhere uh of tyler the creator and someone <laughs> says to him what advice would you give someone who wanted to be like you I think that I think the full question was to be like you or have sex with you. Yeah, I think that was the question. Qu- was the question terrible, put but to the him. answer was perfect. The answer was perfect. He said, "Get a bunch of bikes, ride them around with your friends. It's the <laughs> shit." Yeah. <laughs> and to me, it was like, oh, yeah, yeah. That's it. That's it. That's <laughs> all. That's all there is to it. You know. I mean, it's really so simple. Whether you're. Uh, a uh, hedge fund manager riding around with your friends on your on your ten thousand dollar road bikes or fifteen thousand dollar road bikes or whatever, or you are yeah. um a laborer of some sort and you're riding around with your friends on some clapped out whatever through I mean it's just like I was thinking about the quality of that experience is not affected by the equipment. I don't think. No, it's not. I mean, (laughs) like I said, physically to have a a mountain bike that does a little bit of, that takes a little bit of the brunt uh, makes my body feel better. But otherwise, no, just getting to go like goofing around. I read some, something online the other day that somebody was like uh, bemoaning about the, UCI and some something they were doing with gravel worlds or something like that. And I was just like, ah, it's just there's so much banality. You know, I love I want to get I want to be for myself. And I cert, it's certainly something I want to promote just hanging out with your friends in a vacant lot, because that's where it all started. for Me, I think it's where it's it all started for a lot of people. But somewhere along the way. They kind of lost that, maybe that, that full picture and everybody's welcome. You know, everybody's there. You got a right. bike. Surly made a funny sticker that said like, just because we both ride bikes doesn't mean we're friends or we'd be friends or something like that. I always thought that was funny. <laughs> Not that we're, you know, just cause if you, you ride a bike, I ride a bike. doesn't mean that we're going to get along. This is something that we have in common, but I'm not going right. to like, I'm not going to trip on you for, for what you ride or how you ride. Right. Right. Yeah. I think this is the thing. Like I kind of hate the elitism inherent in cycling culture, but you know, I'm not helping by hating on, on, you know, people who treat the sport that way they're doing their thing. They're making themselves right. happy. Um, I can judge it. I mean, hate is, you know, I, and I, I use the word a lot, but it's something that that you just don't necessarily vibe with, or you don't necessarily agree with. That's right. Yeah. I don't have hate. I don't have any hate for anybody. I don't, I just don't, I don't have the energy for that. Um, and you know, the thing to me, I think the, 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 the 
contrast for me is that I think cycling is kind of inherently rebellious. You know, like to me, that was what was compelling about it when I was a kid. I was like, oh, mom, dad, I'm mm-hmm. out. <laughs> you know, like you, I'm, I'm, I'll be pedaling this to where you're not in charge and I'll be doing it as soon as I'm right, We talked can. about sort of the first taste of independence in the se- second episode, right. the first episode. Uh, we, we, we've done two and a half right, episodes so, and I don't remember which one we talked about what in. Yeah, I may have already told the same story two or three oh, or in each so episode. I don't know. But instances. Yeah, I liked the. But, you know, that group, the group think about, you know, like I had this. So there's uh, Cush, Mike Cushenberry, who's one of the founders of Cycling Independent. Also, he and I had a, a an amusing argument about what size sock you should wear. <laughs> whether you should wear a five inch sock or a two inch sock. And he was like, you can't, you have to wear tall socks. Yeah, but then, and I was like, fuck your tall have socks. Have you seen man. that? It's like a, some list that came out on the internet a bunch of years ago. It was like the rules of cycling, you know, knee warmers oh, yeah, 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 under yeah. your shorts. I met one that stuck with me was yeah. uh, your glasses arms go under. Of course. Oh, out, outside, outside of your helmet straps. Oh, okay. Yeah, that, yeah, yeah, that's yeah, right. Yeah, because yeah. I, I always put them under my helmet straps and people are, right. you know, people are not everybody, but people are pretty passionate about this stuff. And so <laughs> why, you know, why? Like, I think we started talking about uh, a little bit before we hit record, <clears throat> like the two physical activities that I have any familiarity with um, outside of the half a season I played soccer when I was like, eight years old or nine years old is cycling and skateboarding. And they both attracted me because there were no teams. There were no rules, you know, essentially. And the more I learned about cycling, the more I learned about like, there are very definite, there's a very definite tradition. And because right. cycling is a linear activity where you're pedaling in a line and you're sitting upright and you're facing forward, you know, for the most part, with the exception of BMX and freestyle, um, it, it, it is the same physical activity. And I think that attracts a specific kind of human being where skateboarding is kind of all over the place. And it, mm. there people started doing it to get away from rules and to get away from convention. Um, and what has been really interesting to me to see um, with the inclusion of uh, Unity Skateboards, which I believe was sort of the first um, uh, gay, trans, um, non-binary skateboard company uh and through them i have made some really amazing friends but to see their some of these people's rise in visibility um and the responses you know you think like skateboarders portray themselves as these like free thinking open-minded like um you know right uh, fuck society fuck convention types of individuals but man, a transgender skateboarder starts getting a little bit of publicity and people are coming out of the woodwork saying really terrible things, you know? Uh, It's not, I don't Mm. think it is, um, I don't think that that's uh, the entire, certainly not the entire skateboard industry and it's certainly not all skateboarders, but the fact that these people were attracted to this activity, which is basically about defying rules and then applying becoming the the gatekeeper the gender role gatekeepers or whatever it's just it's 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 sad i i was hoping naively that maybe that would be the one place where that sort of attitude didn't exist but i guess people are people and you're going to have fear no matter no matter what activity you're engaged in and fear creates all kinds of negative responses. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and let's, let's, let's call, call it for what it is. I mean, it's a dude problem, right? Yeah. I don't know any, I don't know any 
women who are like, you know, women shouldn't skateboard or I don't know any women who are like transgender people shouldn't skateboard. It's it's only dudes. I think it's predominantly. I mean, I if you can have you can have fear based ignorance in anything and, and anybody can have it. You know, the two uh, right. predominant yeah. uh emotional responses are love and fear. I think that's my perspective. And through fear comes, uh, any form of lashing out. Um, I just think maybe I think anybody's capable of it, but yeah, you're right. It's predominantly male driven. That's embarrassing. (laughs) It is embarrassing. And, you know, I mean, I follow skateboarding. Um, I, I do follow skateboarding. So, you know, I think unity is, is that like, is that share, share strawberries? Uh, Uh, No, it's a a guy named Jeffrey and his partner, uh, Gabriel. Um, Cher was part of the crew, but she has since gone on to start uh, her own business with some friends i believe it's glue called glue skateboarding okay if I, my memory is just a total disaster so i, I might have that wrong my point my point is that i've seen enough of these skaters to know they don't mm-hmm. <laughs> you know like it doesn't to me that's what it comes down to like is the skating good or is the skating not good we i used to write about pro cycling more and and um we would we would write uh a bit about women's racing. We would have people say a oh, women's racing is, is boring because it's slower or, you know, all kinds of reasons. And I would say things like, well, do you, you can tell what the miles per, when you're watching a mountain stage, you can tell what speed the riders right. are riding. Like it's just nonsense mm-hmm. stuff. Um, you know what I see, and this is true in skating uh, and cycling as well, the people that you watch, it's less a sport and more of an entertainment, which makes it character driven, you know? And I brought up Cher because I think she's a, a compelling mm-hmm. character, right? Like she, you see Cher and you're like, I want to know mm-hmm. about this person. Like what's going on here? He's a unicorn. It doesn't matter. One. Yeah, Punk absolutely. Unicorn. Interesting. Yeah. yeah. Good skater, cool style, all that stuff. And so in, in, in cycling, it's it's sort of the same way. The cyclists I watch, it's character driven. I want to see the people who are cool. I want them to, you know, be interesting and have emotions and whatever. It's it's not different than watching soap operas. I, like we can we can kid ourselves that this is, um, you know, it's sports, so it's different. It's character driven entertainment, like yeah. everything else. Uh, I don't. Th- and then, sorry. I'm sorry. I was just going to say, and then you get into representation, right? Like this is the, this is, you know, the nub of the issue in, in cycling and it's improving, you know, over the last few years a little bit, but um, you know, people need to be able to see characters that, that, that they identify with. If you want to put more middle-aged white guys on bikes, just keep pumping out ads and photos and videos with middle-aged white guys in them. But if you want to grow the market, you got to be other places. You got to look like other people. You got to, present different characters Mm -hmm. i think for you could say everything that was wrong about rock racing which was a ton Mm. uh, not the least of which was michael what was his last name ball the director the guy who owned the company yeah i know i know he um that guy was just uh, struck me as kind of a blowhard but the fact that he was at least trying to expand, you know, what a, what, what a bike racer looked like, which would maybe mm-hmm. make it open to, you know, if you see somebody that doesn't look like everybody else, then you think, well, maybe this is something that is for me. Right. I, you know, the whole thing totally imploded. And I think that it was pushed in a super dumb way and to have like all of the booth babes and the, the Bugatti team cars and, there was just so much drugs huh? and the drugs. Yeah. Well, yeah. That's a whole other thing. I mean, there's going to, there's going to be, if there's, yep. if there is a motivation to win, 
there's going to be motivation to cheat. Uh, there's a great documentary right. called Bigger, Faster, Stronger, which if you haven't watched it, I encourage you to. It's it's you know, they talk to like former Olympians and bodybuilders. And it was just basically this kind of this kid who was a bodybuilder, you know, real amateur bodybuilder in New Jersey. And he couldn't understand like why, no matter how much training I do, no matter how many weights I lift, why don't I look like Sylvester Stallone or why don't I look like Arnold Schwarzenegger? And so he begins investigating and his brothers are both total lummoxes too. I think he has two and one's like a semi-pro wrestler. And the other one is maybe like a injured, retired semi-pro football player or something. So these guys are just like kind of lummoxes, but the, the youngest who put this movie together, um, he was really thoughtful and it was a really interesting perspective on all forms of performance enhancing everything. And it's gonna, it's gonna happen. You know, I think that, I think that people really started paying attention to doping in the, um, uh, in the early nineties. Um, who was it? Jesus. I just, I'm drawing a blank on his name, but this one, but the doping had been going on right. for decades right. prior, like back in the sixties right. stage races, right. everybody at, was at the original Olympics. <laughs> right. There were definitely some new for, people for, sh- for sure. Chewing eucalyptus. Something. The, 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 Get that eucalyptus the six day mouse. stage races, people were completely cracked out on, you know, math and cocaine and booze. And yeah. how do you ride your bike for that many days in a row without it's not humanly possible. So <clears throat> unfortunately, I think it's a I think it's it's just going to be a it's a it's a reality. Because there's always going to be yeah. you have two people, one person wants an advantage and they're going to do what it takes to to, to achieve it. Yeah, I think that's right. And 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 what's worse is the it's not even the winning. It's the people uh, who have to dope to do menial jobs within the sport. Oh, the ma- weird masters you know I mean? races like, and somebody gets somebody gets popped. Or even like getting, you know. I have to pass a chemistry set through my body because my job is to ferry water bottles back and forth right. to the guy with even more chemistry right. set. Um that's uh, it is it is, uh, but I don't, you know, I don't, I don't take it personally. I think a lot of people do. I think, mm-hmm. I mean, with, uh, with, um, uh, Lance's sort of meteoric rise to fame, I think a lot of people really sort of, because America is number one, America's the best at everything. Right. So people sure. really hooked their wagons to his star. And when they found out that he wasn't clean, that just, it was a huge disappointment and people still, I still see people belly aching about that, you know, like, what do you have pinned on this? What, what, how does this affect you in any way at all? Um, which kind of goes, not doesn't necessarily goes back to what we were talking about, but if there are, uh, an array, uh, an, uh, an all inclusive array of people riding bikes, if you don't want to watch women's racing, why, what, why don't, you know, like it matters to somebody. If it doesn't matter to you, yeah. then kick rocks. Let the people right. who care about it, care about it and invest in it. But you're only doing yeah. the whole, the greater picture a disservice by being a vocal opponent. Something like yeah. that. I, I, I have this idea that there are um, two, two types of people and it's very, um, attractive to break things down into like dichotomies like that. And the picture is always more complicated, but I have this idea that uh, there are people who see someone who's different than them and assume that there's something wrong with that person. And then there are people who see someone different than them and assume there's something wrong with me because I don't understand that person. And so it's incumbent on me to understand them. It's not a, it's not their job to be understandable to me. It's my job to understand them. You know what I'm saying? I mean, I would argue that a third would be the person that sees somebody different from them and is is attracted to them because they're different, which might be, you know, because Uh, I've only ever been raised in America 
uh, and the, this country is so huge, we're not exposed to a whole lot of variation. You know, uh, mm. I think that um, uh, people don't travel. Uh, people education is kind of in an, in an abysmal state in America and they aren't their minds aren't open or their eyes aren't opened to everybody else. And that when you see someone that you don't know something about and you respond negatively, that's fear again. Right. Um, yeah. 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 Fear. You're uh, right. It's, just, it's so then, so then the question might be, what is the cycling industry afraid of difference? Honestly. But from a manufacturer's point of view, they need everyone. Yeah, yeah I don't, right? I don't they, think this. They have advocacy budgets. The industry hasn't, if I remember correctly, the industry has sort of plateaued at whatever, you know, annual. It's $8 billion a year or something like that. And it's basically just been the same forever. Um, I don't know. I don't know. And maybe it's not the industry and maybe it's not the industry making the call or maybe, you know, maybe it's because it's run by people who, who have no business acumen. It's people who, you know, like, well, I like bikes. So I'm going to get a job as a sales rep and then I'll work my way up from a sale or I'm working in a bike shop because I like bikes and then I'll get a job as a sales rep. And then from sales rep, I'll get a job as inside sales. And then from there I'll get on, management and then all of a sudden I'm running a company and I've only learned what I've learned from the industry Mm. so then you have an entire industry run by people who were attracted to the activity to begin with Um, and maybe that is sort of a becomes circular mm -hmm. yeah So, so you said to me a couple weeks ago that you're not a joiner. No, I don't think so. I mean, no, I don't think so. But I mean, you like, uh, in Oakland, you had a group that you skated with, right? That was like your crew. Like you had a, you joined that somehow or is it in skating? Is it because it's in individual and nonlinear kind of, yeah. The, like, like team, team stuff and, 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 um, tribe stuff or for lack of a better word, like, I don't think that like the, the component in cycling that I've always been attracted to is the sort of the non-component, you know, like I started, I started racing mountain bikes. Uh, and, and, uh, before that I was, uh, I was a bicycle messenger and, and I even didn't, I didn't even really click with a lot of the bike messengers because it was just, they were, I always kind of thought they were like super nerds that found this, this, group of people where they were kind of the outsiders. And so I was kind of the outsider mm-hmm. of the outsiders. And even in high school, mm-hmm. I, the kids that I ran with, like I was total oddball. I was not the only reason I hung out with those people is because they were the ones that nobody else wanted to hang out with. So, mm. um, it just kind of, uh, followed and through mountain bike racing and I was fun, but it still seemed a little jockish. And then, uh, I met all of the, the Ventana, like there was this group of people all around Northern California that started racing single speed mountain bikes. And at that point there weren't a whole ton of them within, you know, between Santa Rosa and Santa Cruz. Uh, but they were like, they were like the weirdos, you know, they were the one, they were like the other non-joiners. And so all the non-joiners sort of became, I guess they became their own little thing, but it was never exclusive. And with the folks that I skated with, it was just, I don't know, it was a spot and we would meet up there and we became friends through skating at this spot. And it, the really special thing about that place uh, was that it was sort of um, the safe zone, you know, like it really was a safe space for, for anybody who wanted to skate, whether it was, young kids or, or women, or like I said, the unity, the, the whole unity crew, I I met Mm -hmm. a whole bunch of them, uh, through, through that. And then there's, you know, like the regular, just, the uh, the regular local dudes, whatever, 
you know, but it was nobody judged. Everybody was safe. Everybody was sort of protecting each other and looking out for each other. And it was all skill levels too, you know, which was really cool. Everybody encouraged everybody again, kind of a non-joiner set. Do you, do you think that there is a dirt bag faction of the cycling industry? Uh, yeah. That's real. Yeah. 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 And I don't, and I don't think they all, I don't, you know, they don't all know each other, but I think that, um, uh, yeah. And to, to use the, the term dirtbag, it's, it's certainly like a term of endearment. I think that's a positive. Yeah. Sorry. I didn't, I should have for listeners. I should have qualified <laughs> it. That's if a, they're listening to this, they probably, <laughs> probably doesn't need to be qualified. That's right. That is a positive yeah. term. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And how that would be defined. But the industry doesn't really acknowledge the tribe, that particular tribe. I mean, you know, like at Interbike, I know, um, I think you and I sort of passed mm-hmm. in orbit at Interbike uh, maybe once or twice. And you you organized Underbike. Yeah. Yeah. It started out as um, we were just having a party at the Double Down or at the, uh, the Pepper Mill. I think we did that two years. And then the third year, well, okay, that's not actually true because even years before that, we had a party at um, a friend of mine who used to live in Vegas told me about the Double Down. And this was in the uh, mid 90s, late 90s, I guess. And the Double Down is this total shithole punk rock dive bar out by the airport. Um, Maybe the grossest bathroom this side of CBGB's. And uh, so I had a party there. Uh, for, for two years, it was sort of like the blue collar bikes party, um, blue collars, my buddy, Robert Ives in Sacramento, and he was building frames. So we decided that we, I think it was the first year that he brought a frame. So this was 2001 or 19, it was the same year Soulcraft bikes started. So whatever year that was between mm-hmm. 91 and mm. 2000, I get, or I mean, uh, 98 and 2000. So we had a couple parties there and then pit put a pin in it for a few years. And then I decided with, uh, when I started all hail the black market, I'd have a party at the pepper mill and we, all the goofballs, like all the marbles rolled to that corner. You know, there was only like 40 of us. And it was just a yeah. reason to have a party. And then we did that a couple of years and then I decided I wanted to have a band. So I got, um, Ozorn who we talked about last week. Uh, mm-hmm. they came and played at the, double down and that was sort of like uh who was it i think it might have been me and uh rita van vlanderen and a couple other companies i don't know i would just loop other people into it so we'd have like four entities uh and my my motivation of doing those parties especially because it, i mean it was fun and to have a band and and you know it gave uh the the industry parties with the ice sculptures and the red velvet ropes. And, you know, you could get in and eat the remaining finger foods after like all of the industry (laughs) heads had gone through and had to fill. This was something for everybody else. Like you didn't have to be on a guest list and you didn't have to know anybody. You could just show up and have a good time. And beyond that, and more importantly is that anybody else was invited So anybody who, whether you were in the industry, you're out of the industry, you have no idea about the industry, you could show up and be like, oh, wait a second. Like these are bike riders. You know, this is sort of the antithesis of what I thought a cyclist was, or all I know about cyclists is they are constantly in my way in the road. But I come to this show and these are cyclists. Okay. So it's a, this changes my perspective. That's what I, that was the motivation How, for that. That was the motive. I, I, yeah, I'm wondering because, you know, on the one hand, you want to have a party because you want to have a party. And I'm just curious about like, you know, that, it, how intentional that deeper, inclusiver, that's not a word. Uh, oh, it, was su- it was super intentional. Was. And, uh, you know, once I yeah. started, I did that. I guess I did that with the double down did it with them a couple of years, but I ended up hooking up with this guy whose name I can't remember, but he booked, he did promotion in Vegas. So he had a line on different venues I could use because it was kind of, it became a little difficult to convince 
you know, I could say, uh, yeah, the last three years or the last four years, we literally drank the bar out of all of their beer. Like you're, <laughs> this is a money making deal for you. I'll pay for the sound guy. I'm paying for the band. I'm paying to put the band yeah. up. It's really sort of a marketing exercise for me. All you have to do is provide the space. Um, and this guy who I was working with, like he knew everybody so he could get me into spaces in which I maybe didn't have, uh, uh, any, any connection. Um, so, and then he would promote them, you know, he would like make big flyers and he would kind of, you know, he brought a DJ in. Uh, so he was bringing local people in too. And I had one band from Vegas one year and then I had a band from Portland, uh, called Gatheist and had those, uh, who rides the tiger play another year. And, um, a band called Lady Sinatra, a really great band called Lady Sinatra from LA. So essentially, you know, I just provided a venue and, and this other guy did a bunch of the promotion. And while it was associated with Interbike, and there was a lot of bike people there, it wasn't exclusive to that by any stretch. So yeah, to, to allow it to be available to anybody else who wanted to come bike person or not bike person, that was, that was super intentional. I think I, I, uh, I intended to attend one of those years and I think I went to the bar and it was sort of mayhem out front and as a non-drinker, I was like, oh, I'm tired. Yeah. And I think I turned, I turned away. Like the music sounded good, but I was like, I'm tired. And I ended up, I think I ended up eating sushi with, um, our Indonesian distributor, which is a much more interbike <laughs> yeah. thing to do. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But you know, if the sushi was good. I, I love actually, this is a diversion, but, um, you know, my time in the industry, I always really love these incongruous moments where like, yeah, you're eating sushi with an Indonesian couple at a place in Vegas, which is just Vegas is like the antithesis of my mm -hmm. ethos, you know, but to be there and doing that, I just like those moments where you like, you feel like you're on Mars. There's a, um, there's a lot of those to be had in Las Vegas for sure. Yeah. Uh, I think that un unfortunately, I think uh, even the underbike parties sort of got pigeonholed as like, oh, well, that's where that's where those people go, you know, um, to some degree. Sure. I mean, uh, uh, Antonio Colombo was at at least a couple of parties. Um, Adam Craig and um, uh, Adam Craig was at a party, you know, various pro cyclists would show up. Uh, Gary Fisher was a regular feature. Um, you know, so mm. it certainly wasn't anything. Uh, oh, and uh, Antonio Colombo's uh, girlfriend, partner, um, uh, Alessandra, lovely human being. She she would show up like everybody was. I think as they went, um, I certainly wanted everyone to feel welcome and not to be some big dumb bro fest or bike thing, bike specific thing. Do you think the industry would be better off? I'm not going to use the word successful, but better off if the dirtbag faction were in charge. Mm. <laughs> and in fact, is that an impossibility because none of us has the motivation to rise up? Uh, um, part, maybe, uh, uh, but maybe not in charge, but, but maybe with a little more voice. And, you know, again, by referring to the dirtbag faction, I mean, I mean, the, the outsiders, so that includes, yeah. that includes everybody, you know, I like to think it's, I always refer to, um, you know, all of the marbles rolling to a certain corner. This is kind right. of the corner that the marbles roll to. Uh, and if you, there's not any rules for it aside from ignoring the previously existed rules. Right. Or existing rules. Yeah. I kind of, I maybe, I don't know. I don't think that's in the cards though. No, it's probably not in the cards, but I do think, I do think for all of that, like I can say that my attitude is changing. Certainly. Like when I, the honest truth is 
you know, I went through I went through a whole period where I was riding mountain bikes. I was riding bikes, you know, all over the city. I was really I would call myself an urban cyclist, whatever that means. But it was more of like bombing around the city, getting having mm-hmm. fun. And all of that. And at some point I I got curious about road biking. And I think I definitely spent a bunch of years kind of like trying to burrow in and understand what the rules were and learn the inside jokes and all of that stuff. Right. I think I definitely went through a period of like understanding how to belong. Um, I feel like right now or for the last few years, I've been borrowing my way back out um, and trying to change my own attitude, you know, like just, just the day before yesterday, I was, uh, I was in my car, I was riding through kind of like the center of the town I live in. And there was this woman in a recumbent on, on a recumbent in a recumbent. I don't know. (laughs) She was riding a recumbent and it was really low to the ground. And she had two little kids with her. Like maybe one was on a strider bike and one was pedaling, but they were definitely a shit show. And this intersection is really busy and cars are everywhere. And I, I was, I felt I felt irritated with her. I was like, this is just, this is, you're doing it wrong. And then I caught myself and I was like, she's doing it how she's doing it. And maybe, maybe it works for her and for her kids. Uh, And, you know, maybe if she's feeling anxiety about it, she does it differently next time. And that's just part of her process. But either way, it's none of my business unless I have to like jump out and save one of these kids, which I was trying to be a little bit vigilant about. But like I catch myself like just having participated in the industry and having been a cyclist for as long as I have, like it's very easy to take on. For me, anyway, it's easy for me to take on the wrong attitude. Sort of a, a, um, a gatekeeper perspective, which there are far yeah. too many gatekeepers and I have in, the no bike, business. in the bike world. Um, yeah, I have no business playing that. We that were, part. I went on a ride with some, a mountain bike ride with some friends last night and I was actually referring to this. It was this funny gaggle of people that we would see. I put Wednesday night rides on, um, for a long time when I lived there. And, uh, <laughs> basically they were just kind of, it was sort of modeled after the Minneapolis Wednesday night rides where you'd meet at this certain place and then we would have events. Um, and it could be, you know, like who could flick a pee bottle the furthest or um, one was you had to ride up this like 40 foot long stretch, 30 foot long stretch of a pretty technical ascent um, all the while uh, eating a hot dog. So you're riding one handed up this technical stretch of trail and eating and I had a, a thermos bag full of vegan dogs and then a thermos bag full of meat dogs, depending on what you wanted and, and then right. at the end of the season, I would make trophies, you know, it was fun. And I would have like little prizes. It'd just be stuff that I'd pull out of my garage or my junk box or whatever. Um, but we would be sitting yeah. up there and almost without fail every week, uh, this group of, of off-road unicyclists would roll through and they'd be seven or 10 or 12. And they were always followed by a woman on a recumbent. And it was like the weirdest gong show, you know? So I'm talking <laughs> about this and this guy that I'm with, that I'm riding with, who is a, he's got pretty hard line uh, perspective on, on, you know, bikes and e-bikes have, according to him, have no place on the mountain. And, and I mentioned yeah, yeah. unicyclists. And as soon as I said that, he's like, nope, 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 nope. They rut the trail. And I was like, I would rather have seven unicyclists than the thousands of people who come and rut out every corner and don't do any trail maintenance. And like, they're just out there doing their weird thing. And I, you know, I would say hello and I never had any more interaction or conversation with them than that, but just, they were just so weird, you know? And how did these, it's like, if I'm talking about, if I'm referencing them, we're the marbles that rolled to a specific corner, they're the marbles that like found the gap in the corner and rolled to a totally different (laughs) corner. And I always, I, I loved them, you know, they were just out there being goofballs beautiful nonsense mm-hmm. I, I yeah yeah i i it's funny that if people are doing something pretty adjacent to what i do i will judge them like oh no you should be doing it like i'm doing but if they're doing something totally bizarre i'm like you're doing the best thing ever you know what i mean like i don't want them near 
to to be like me. I want them to like fly their just go yeah. nuts. And I have seen I was in Santa Cruz uh last time I was there, I saw a bunch of guys come through in like racing kits on I it must have been like the twenty niner unicycles. I don't oh, know what the okay. size wheel was. It yeah, was nuts. same probably same crew or associated with the same crew that I used to see. Maybe. Was yeah, it yeah. in Santa Cruz? Yeah. Oh, oh, geez. Yeah, it might have been. I saw them. Well, okay, I saw them once, but I definitely was like, that's, that's nuts. I don't think Um, it's cool. I don't think it's not cool. I just think it's, I mean, I'm glad that they're doing, I'm glad that they're happy, you know, and they just, they seem, always seemed genuinely happy, but I would just, they'd ride through and I'd be like, you know, all right. So you like a fish swims by and, and it's wearing a hat and you're like, fuck, that's weird. Oh, what's that fish doing wearing a yeah. hat? And then you go on about your day. You go on about your day. Yeah. You're not going to judge the fish for wearing a hat. You just think it's kind of a screwy no. little thing. Uh, cycling. So <clears throat> because it's it's so young in this country, well, this country on, in itself is is really young. Uh, you know, cycling right. fans in this country themselves are oftentimes cyclists. If you look at cycling fans in Europe, it's the same as yeah. football fans in this country. Like you look right. at however many yeah. 80,000 people who go to a football game and you don't say, yep, I bet every one of those people plays football. It doesn't, it doesn't exist <laughs> right. that way here. Um, and right. so we, I think we're still trying to figure out as a, again, for lack of a better term, as a culture, we're trying to figure out who we are. And, um, you know, that's going to be, that's going to be a slow process. But I think for my part, I hope that as we discover who we are, and I'm not saying that I'm not guilty of judging on occasion or being um, critical because I do and I am and I'm working on it. Uh but as time goes by, I hope that we can learn to sort of open open the gates a little bit and be a little less a little less linear and a little more open to change and variation in personnel and you know the definition of of what is a cyclist. Just yeah. because we both ride bikes well, doesn't I, mean I'm going to be friends with you. But I'm you know if you're not being a dick. <laughs> which is, I think, essentially what the Bible said is just don't be a dick. And in the years since it was written, right. it got elaborated on and muddled up. But just don't. Don't blow don't it. be a dick. And we're all yeah. everybody's going to be fine. Yeah. Yeah, I think I think, um, you know, cycling independent, our, our tagline is, you know, if you ride a bike, you're one of us, which I think is the right attitude. And uh, just to be in the headspace of anyone who's on a bike is doing a good thing, uh, whether we're friends or not, like, just just do it. Just ride wherever you're going to ride. It's going to be going to be great. Um, but also, I think cultivating I mean, you and I are both super attracted. Uh, We've talked in the past about, um, you know, like a band like Bad Brains, which is a bunch of black Rastas who were the kings of hardcore (laughs) and and like how little sense that makes, but how beautiful it is. Or a band like Slint, who comes from uh, nowhere uh, and becomes a super influential. um, I don't know what genre you would even put them in. They like walked in, made a couple of totally incredible records and then dropped the mic and walked right back out again. And there's something really poetic and something really beautiful about that. Yeah. It makes no sense what happened, but that's, but it was beautiful anyway. And I I think we're attracted to that. And I think just having to just letting people, you know, like I'm, I'm friends with some tall bike builder people and that's, awesome because they just want to build crazy bikes and ride them around with their yeah. friends um, yeah yeah that's a pretty that's a pretty awesome component of of uh the the bike world you know yeah i don't i don't think they really care they're just making crazy death no. trap contraptions and out again just cruising around with their friends it's i love it yeah i couldn't yep. do it i don't know if i want to talk to them about it but 
I love that they exist. Yeah, I love that they exist. Um, I don't know. We didn't solve any problems here today. Uh, so we're, we're holding steady on that. Maybe we did. Um, we don't. I see. This is the thing. I don't know that anything that I do makes any immediate difference. And I don't know that this podcast is going to make an immediate difference, but it might inspire somebody to have a conversation with somebody who has a conversation with somebody. And that's where the change happens. So, you know, I just have to always hold on to hope that if I, you know, try to put my best foot forward, um, somewhere down the road, something good will come of it. Yeah. Maybe this is the moment that 330 million Americans all get on their bikes. (laughs) Um, Yeah, that's probably not going to (laughs) happen. I think that the the development of infrastructure, however ham-fisted it is in some places where you see bike paths going along like halfway on the sidewalk and halfway in the gutter and through telephone (laughs) poles and shit like that, like, you know, um, there's an effort. It's not weird we're a culture that um, subscribes or um, not subscribes. We're a culture that's attracted to immediate gratification. And I think the bicycle world is, is no different. And so we, you know, because you rally against the fact that a city that was built with cyclists, not at all in mind, however many hundreds of years ago, hasn't, you know, because people, more people are riding bikes now than they were um, 20 years ago. Cities haven't completely flipped their entire infrastructure and allowed not only a lane for parking, but a lane for deliveries and then a bike lane and then a traffic lane. Like you're really going to bellyache about UPS trucks, double parking when there's nowhere for them to be. So we're all trying to occupy the same space at the same time. And when people get up in arms about cities not developing infrastructure quickly enough, uh, I think that is a little bit of a disservice as well. You know, I'm guilty. It, of it's that a work sure. in progress. You know, it's yeah. We can't we Maybe. can't do we can't we can't flip it just that quickly. But we are beginning to turn the tide or turn the ship or turn the spacecraft. And maybe just some visual clues that cyclists exists, exist and can be in this space is moving the whole consciousness forward in a good way. I mean, I, I, I could buy I that. So I don't think it's going to happen to the degree that we'd like to see it happen in, in our lifetimes, provided that the world is actually around for the duration of our lifetimes. Um, but I think at least... You know, what I've seen change in the industry in terms of inclusiveness and what I've seen in cities in terms of infrastructure within the last 15 years, which is really a blink of a blink of a blink of an eye in the big picture. But it's it's um, noticeable, certainly isn't happening quickly enough. And I understand that it's not happening quickly enough for a lot of people's tastes, but it's happening and that's not nothing. I like your attitude. It's better than mine. Maybe I'll, maybe I'll just, my attitude has been so bad for so long, but I, I started this. (laughs) uh, Honestly, I, and it just sort of depends on the mood that I'm in too. Cause you could catch me tomorrow and I'd be like, no, fuck everybody. Fuck you. Fuck podcasts. Fuck my neighbor and their dumb dog. But today I'm feeling pretty centered. So I started a new kind of therapy Good. called neurofeedback. And you sit and you watch these. You remember the old screensavers, the, the tubes that like grow from nothing? And you just, it's like that, yeah. but it happens in waves and, and it's like paintbrush marks. And, and they basically are reading your brain waves and redirecting neural pathways from old ways of thinking to new ways of thinking. And I just had a, an hour plus long session yesterday. And, uh, oh, so this is Steve 2.0. Uh, we're getting three here. or four, or like 12.0. Yeah, like this is today is yeah. a totally advanced version. I, re- I just want to be a better, oh. I want to be a better me. Like I like myself. Okay. But, oh. I, but I want to be a better version of myself. I like yeah. that. 
we should all be better. We should all be better. The industry should be better. Um, it all starts. Maybe we wrap it, all it starts here. with uh, a seed, right? You know, right. Maybe, like I said, maybe this is the, maybe this is the, the nucleus of something that'll happen down the road or part of this is a nucleus of something that happens down the road. So as always with that robot, it's a pleasure. Yes. It was a pleasure. If you liked us, if you still like us, subscribe, um, listen again. We'll be back next week, two weeks. Every other week, I think we're we're going to be having these conversations. So subscribe, check us out, pass us along to a friend. Uh, if you have thoughts and feelings about what we said, uh, email them at us. Yeah, um, and otherwise, have a great week. Uh, I hope everybody has a great week. Uh, I will. I am obligated to say that the uh, introduction and exit music of this podcast is a band called Who Rides the Tiger, and I have about sixty copies of the record left. If you would like one, or you like what you heard, uh, hit me at allhailtheblackmarket.com. Did I just say the name of the band? I think I did. Yeah, Who rides a tiger? Uh, and oh, the uh, advice column that I do for Cycling Independent. Uh, if you have a question about, you know, uh, let's see, what have I fielded? Uh, what to get your mom for Mother's Day? Um, how many cans of beers in a wizard staff? Uh, there are some other sort of gatekeeper stuff. Life's burning questions. Well, yeah. If you got a question about something that you think I might be able to rub a little bit of stink on, send it to Stevel at cyclingindependent.com. I think that's my email address. Pretty sure that's it. That's All it. Right. All right. Well, thanks so much, man. Beautiful. Thank you, everybody. Yeah, you too. Have a great day. Take care. God bless. Bye.